In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The Hawks stand pat at the trade deadline. Hey, y'all, and welcome to a super special edition of the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Sarah Spencer, Hawks Beat reporter for the AJC, and today we've got two special guests for you. So actually, I kind of undersold when I originally teased this episode with just one special guest. And we're essentially going to have a panel discussing the Hawks standing pat at the NBA trade deadline and just kind of give you our thoughts. Um, first, we've got my coworker, Michael Cunningham. He's a big basketball guy, covered the Hawks a while back, but now keeps up with them, writes columns on the team. And then Brad Rowland, who has his own podcast from Locked on Hawks. Uh, Michael's awesome, looking at the team, big picture. Brad's great, breaking down details. Obviously, I know a thing or two about this team, so I think all together we'll be able to give y'all some great analysis on the trade deadline. Also, if you are liking the show, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and also subscribe to the AJC because that allows us to do this whole podcast thing and keep it free. Uh, so on Tuesday, I had reported that there was a 90% chance the Hawks would not make a move at the trade deadline, and that's what ended up happening. Um just kind of the feeling is that the Hawks like this roster and are now just now getting all their key guys playing key minutes together. So without further ado, let's bring in Michael and Brad to help us talk everything through. Hey, guys. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hey. <laughs> How's everybody that, doing? <laughs> that was very That was very NPR-ish. That was cool. <laughs> I feel sophisticated. But was it NPR-ish? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> polished good i'm like not i feel like a like not very sophisticated with this because i'm such a newbie so now i feel now i feel empowered emboldened with that uh with that analysis okay so i gotta start with both of you guys honestly just like the most basic question what did y'all think of the hawks not making a move at the trade deadline brad you go first uh it was kind of expected you know, in addition to you reporting it, I kind of heard the same thing. And it was one of those, if you look at the roster, it's not a surprise. At the mm-hmm. same time, I can understand why people are, you know, underwhelmed by it because everybody loves trades. Everybody loves transactions. And, you know, where, where the Hawks are, nobody's you know, overly excited about the start of the season. So I can kind of see all sides of it. Personally, I was okay with this. I think in terms of a an approach from the Hawks, I think it is reasonable to not do anything big right here unless it presented itself to them and it clearly it didn't or they would have jumped on it so um that's probably a boring answer on some level but i think it was both uh, understandable and also foreseeable 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, I think a lot of people, there were mixed reactions. It was so funny. Like, when I when I was tweeting out, like, okay, the Hawks aren't doing anything at the trade deadline, like, one person, like, the first person that responded, like, referring to the Hawks, they were like, you cowards. And then the next person was like, thank goodness. <laughs> so it's like, complete, like, either you're, like, so thrilled or you're, like, furious or, like, livid. But I do think it's worth pointing out and Michael, maybe you can talk, speak to this a little bit as well, that like they've been playing better. And if they were to have made a, a move, a significant one, you're probably parting with some, some of your favorite guys. You know, what, what, what were your thoughts on, on the trade deadline? Yeah, you're parting with some of your favorite guys and there's, there would be risk in making a move that, that breaks up your core at this point. I mean, it's, it's pretty late in the season. Uh, you'd have to integrate whoever you got into it. I mean, that's, can be a long process. So I think there was some risk in making moves when they have been playing better. And uh, I mean, I, I like I like them staying pat. Uh, from a story standpoint, it's cool because now we get to see, can they do it again? I mean, pretty much what they did last year is mm-hmm. everybody's kind of like, man, the, the Hawks are finished. And then they weren't. I know that there were different circumstances then, you know, a coaching change and whatnot. But similar to this year is where they had injuries as well last year. And they never had that chemistry yet. And now you start to see it happening now. So as a story, it's really cool to see, can they do it again? I think it's, that's going to be a fun thing. And I also think it was kind of the right thing to do. It's I can't say that 100% because always at the trade down, you don't know what deals they turn down, right? So it's hard. It's always, I always hate it covering trade, trade deadlines for that reason. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know what they turned down. So how can I fully evaluate it? But to me, keeping the team is a uh, – this is a good team. They're a good team when they have everybody and they are engaged as they have been in the last, you know, two, three weeks. So I like it. Yeah, it's a good point is that you don't exactly ever know. It's impossible. to. It's not like you're monitoring every single phone call, you know, and every single offer and what people were offering in return or what sorry, what people wanted in return. You're never going to know, but it might have been more than the Hawks were willing to to give up. Um, building on that, though, do you think because I, I agree, it's a good story. Like what they did last year was so impressive. Do you think they can do it again without making a splash or even a medium-sized move? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so because I wrote today that they can, <laughs> that they're going to uh... – I know. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I keep up I, I, wrote it. I, wrote, I wrote that they're going to make uh, Schlink's faith in them and then pay off. So uh, I think they can. I mean – I think what we've seen in the last two or three weeks is that's that's the real Hawks. Uh, they have issues, but you know, like I wrote in the column, every team in the East except maybe the Bucks and now maybe the Sixers all have issues. You know, major issues. Um, I mean, we've seen them do this before. I mean, this this is a proven group. I'm not gonna say they. I mean, it was a little bit weird when trade beginning year said that they were bored. I'm not gonna say that. They, I mean, they haven't won anything of note, but they are a proven playoff team. That has shown that they, I mean they won twice as underdogs last year in the in the, uh, in the playoffs. It was it was impressive. They have that experience under their belt. They've been playing better. I mean, why, I don't I understand why fans want big trades, but I don't see any reason to be down on the Hawks right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree though that like I actually when Kevin Herter came on a few weeks ago, I asked him like after that series against Philly when you guys came back from down, I think it was 26. One of them was like 18. One of them was 26. Brad, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, But at one point, like starters had been pulled for the Sixers. The Hawks just looked so down and out. And after they won both of those games and won the series, eventually I I almost was thinking like the Hawks could be down like any amount. And I would just be like, ah, whatever. 
But Brad, for you, wh- like, what do you think that they can get it done with what they have right now? Or do you think that we're going to be looking back and think uh, they, they actually needed to, to make a move? Yeah, it's complicated. I, I think that they're better than they've been so far this season, which is not controversial. I think that's kind of what most people think. But at the same time, I'm not sure you can just bank on replicating that 27 and 11 close to last season and also that playoff mm-hmm. run because a lot, a lot, a lot went right. Now they did it with this a very similar group, but you know Bogdanovich gets red hot and goes kind of crazy, and uh, they weren't 100 healthy, but they had gotten healthier and. I think that they are primed for a run. We kind of saw the makings of one a couple of weeks ago when they won seven games in a row. It's mm-hmm. they're kind of closer to that. Um, but I think it's also you know this may not be popular, but it's it's kind of difficult to ask a team to go out and you know push the chips into the middle when they're under five hundred after fifty four games. Like we all we all kind of think they're better than this, but at the same time, this is it's pretty late in the season. The deadline's not in the middle of the season. It's like the almost the two thirds part of the season. I know, yeah. And you know the the win loss record matters because even if you felt the Hawks were going to be a top four seed this season, they could play at that level the rest of the way and still be the seven seed or the eight seed. That's that's the problem with digging yourself a pretty big hole here. So I think that they're capable of much more than they've had so far this year. And, you know, maybe there was a move out there that we just don't know about that was one that they should have taken. But I think that they probably know internally that they, that they're, at least they think they're better than this internally. So they're going to kind of rely on that, hope to find that magic in a bottle like, like they found last year, and then, you know, kind of overcome that slow start. You are right, though, that what happened last year, I mean, you don't come back like they did against Philly without obviously Philly kind of choking as well as much as the hawks (laughs) as much as the hawks came back and did great that also requires quite a bit of of messing up uh when it comes to who you're playing there when you're when you're down that much and i think i think one thing this year looking at the hole that they dug themselves into i don't think it's insurmountable but I do think that, I mean, they're going to need some help from a, a handful of teams ahead of them in the standings right now if they do want to get to the top six, don't you think? Yeah, that's, that's really the thing is like you, the, the slow start penalizes you for a while. And if they had started the season a month ago, then I would feel much better. I think a lot of people would feel much better about them. I'm sure, I'm sure they would as well. But that's the price. And they got very unlucky along the way, too. You know, they had that two-week COVID stretch where – right after they changed the rules on them, like right before that, they were all getting postponed. It was getting up to like a month, man. It yeah. was getting up to a month where they were just like brutalized by it. Well, and as soon as soon as they started having the issues is when the, the, the league rule changed and there were no more postponements for them and they had to sign guys. So, you know, I can go game for game and I won't do that. But there, there, were, so, there were more than a handful of games that you can't assume that they would have won. But certainly they had the uh, the uglier side of the roster situation in a bunch of those games, and that they ended up all, almost all being losses. So if you factor that into this, to the schedule, like yeah, they got a little bit unlucky along the way too. So I'm not sure they can go, you know, with you know, uh, I guess uh, undefeated the rest of the way, like people might think that they can at this point in time. Right, but they're right. probably better than they've been so far, and there's some uh, there's some room if you're the front office to kind of almost bank on that and give yourself some cover too. Mm-hmm. Michael, I know that you mentioned that they don't necessarily it, it might have been the right thing for them to to not make a move. But going into today before we knew what they were going to do um, or even leading up to the trade deadline before there had been much reporting that they might sit tight. 
Was there a guy who you were like, this could really help them or man, they really need this. Now the price might've been end up being too high or they might've ended up being like, okay, we feel like, okay, the defense needs to get better, but we feel like DeAndre Hunter can buckle down and get us better. So before, before any of that, was there a guy who you were like, they, this guy could, if they could get this guy, it would be a big help. Um, my view is that they need some help on the wings just because mm-hmm. they sent Cam out and the guy mm-hmm. they got back isn't playing, right? So they're they're kind of down a wing. Uh, they play this this bench lineup with uh, DeLon and uh, Bogey and Lou. It's kind of a smaller group in the, in the backcourt. So Jeremy Grant was a guy. I liked him when he was a free agent. I think that would have been a, a good pickup for him just also because he's kind of a – Three slash four. He's kind of a mm-hmm. uh, got the size, the, the guy who can uh, put the ball on the floor and go to the hole, and he, you know he can shoot as well. That was probably one guy, but you know more long guys like that instead of the blockbuster stuff we heard about, like with with Ben Simmons and like like I said, you don't know what a team had to get up to give up to give him it, as we saw what it took to get Ben Simmons, <laughs> and the Hawks don't have that obviously. So no, and wouldn't want to do that anyway. <laughs> no, yeah. no, but there's only one guy they could offer, and they wouldn't do it, and they shouldn't do it, and. So that to me shows shows that the Simmons talk was kind of, you know, I'm sure they were interested, but they just didn't have the ammo to get that deal done. So, you know, my point being that a guy like Jeremy Grant would have been a nice, solid move for him. But like I said, that they did just, and also because of the health on the wing, I mean, Bogey and, uh, and Hunter both have an injury history. So you, you don't know if those guys are going to be healthy throughout the playoffs. I mean, they weren't last year, so could have used the wing, but not, not like a, a star that would, break up the core right briefly this is a segue I might get in trouble for it because I always talk too much but briefly what did you think about the Sixers what did you think about that <laughs> trade today real quick give your opinion 90 seconds or less <laughs> the Sixers are scary mm-hmm. oh that was good god that was like five seconds Wait, well, Brad, was, what about you that, now we have time for it. your opinion I'm fascinated by that trade on all sides. I think the Nets are, I have no idea what Ben Simmons is at this point. So like if he's Ben Simmons from two years ago, then that's (laughs) interesting for the Nets. The Sixers now have a number one guy on the perimeter that they haven't had the whole time. So, I mean, I think it's uh, to bring things back, Sarah, it's probably bad news for the Hawks because they both teams got maybe better because Brooklyn's kind of maybe a little scarier now and Philly's, I think, definitely scarier now. So not Mm -hmm. great news for the Hawks necessarily, but a, a fascinating trade for sure. Well, what about you, Brad? Like coming into the trade deadline before before you knew one way or another, was there someone who you were like, oh, if they could get X, Y, Z person? Like obviously Derek White was someone who was rumored, and I, I that would be my name. Um, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think the the Derek White, Marcus Smart guys, like the, those are the two that for me of, of the guys who we kind of knew were at least kind of available made sense because they kind of do both things. Like what Michael was saying about the wing help. They're not wings, but they're big guards. You can play them with Trey. That gives you more flexibility. They're also good defenders, and they can create shots. And that's what the Hawks don't have. I mean, it's not a secret, but their perimeter defense has been a problem this year, and they don't have that you know definite number two creator on the ball when, when Trey's on the court, and especially when Trey's off the court. And those guys aren't like superstars. Marcus Smart's a really good player. And Derek White goes to Boston. Now they're playing together, which is kind of fascinating in itself. But, you know, and you never know what was offered. If the Hawks call on those guys, I assume they probably made calls and see what the due diligence was. But of the guys that I had seen, they would have been the two names I would have circled as 
interesting and good fits, but they did, I mean, White got traded for a pretty penny. That was not a small amount that he got traded for, and Smart's still on the same team. So uh, I would have maybe tried to get in the mix there, and maybe they did, and they just didn't have enough. I was going to ask both of you, if you were GM, what would you have done? But would that have been what you would have done, Brad, try to go after uh, a Derek White or, or a Marcus Smart? Yeah, I think to some degree. You know, I never want to get too far into that chair because like you said at the very beginning of this conversation you just don't know what was out there you don't mm. know what the Hawks might have mm-hmm. even offered or what the other team wanted the Spurs might have had an turned down an offer from the Hawks that I thought was a better offer than the one they took from the right. Celtics it's kind of a personal preference thing and it takes two teams like it's so hard to do fake trades because mm-hmm. it requires both GMs and both front offices agreeing on your evaluations of players and that's just not how the world works a lot of the time. But yeah, if I was going to do anything, I would have at least made those calls. And if the price was too high, you got to walk away. And that's my overarching thing about this trade deadline for the Hawks was set a baseline and don't go over it. You don't, the, the, the urgency was not there for me to kind of mortgage assets or trade chips, however you want to say that, to go get a guy. Um, if the price was right, then you can do it. And if for me, I would have been trying to get one of those guys if it was possible, but I would have drawn a line and, and not crossed it. And maybe they did. No, I agree because the Hawks are, it's a tough team, a little bit of a tough team to figure out just because they've had so many moving parts when you think of how one month of the one month of the season was just upended due to COVID stuff. And then the first chunk, the first good chunk of the season, you didn't really have DeAndre Hunter, you didn't have Anyeka Kongwu, who have since become pretty big pieces. Um, but Michael, I'll toss the the GM question to you, or maybe it would have been, you know, standing pat, which is what they ended up doing. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I get it that fans want to see moves. They want to see transactions. It's it's exciting. Uh, You want to see the Hawks go for a home run. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're sitting here talking about, uh, I mean, all the stuff that Brad said earlier was very fair and reasonable about how last year the Hawks got lucky in some ways. And Mm -hmm. you can't count on them duplicating that kind of lightning in a bottle that they caught last year. Those were all the things that made me worried today when I wrote, hey, they're going to prove uh, slick right. That's the other side of it. And that's, that's very fair and reasonable. The other thing I say is people say that they were, um, you know, uh, Trey Young ankle away from the finals. Well, Giannis got hurt, too. I think people, people mm-hmm. forgot about that. He got hurt in that series, too. If he doesn't get hurt, maybe it's over sooner. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there was – Brad used a good word. There was no, there was no urgency. I mean, what's, what's, what's the urgency? This, this group has only had one run this year – it's a weird COVID year that in that month where they were playing all these guys and, and they had actually some competitive efforts in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the league kind of put the business side over the, the fair competition side. It happens. So staying Pat, it's fine. Let's, let's see what happens. It's going to be fun. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and also from last season, like, I mean, it is fair to to point out, I feel, that like even great teams don't go to the Eastern Conference Finals every single year, you know, because sometimes one a guy gets hurt, you know, sometimes there's just another team that beats you in a in a series, you know, or that like upsets happen, like it, it happens, you know. But I think the biggest thing that has I think sometimes, judging by my my mentions today, um, which were a little bit of a little crazy. I think that the the biggest thing that people are um, 
I think probably, you know, fairly pushing back on. I think it's it's fair. Like, Michael, like, personally, I'm kind of a, a inclined to agree with you because I do think this roster has so much potential that we haven't seen yet. But I think what a lot of people are saying is, well, the sample size of you doing well this season is smaller than the sample size of, you know, the 17 and 25 start. So looking at that, why wasn't there more of a push? But also... Asking price comes into the mix because you never know. Maybe a team wanted John Collins for some, you know, and the Hawks are like, nah, we're not doing that for that. You know, maybe a team wanted bogey and the Hawks were just like, no, we're not doing that for that. So I guess we can go round and round all that uh, on that all day because um, I understand both sides of the reaction. I really do. But I want to ask both of you, who do you think won and who do you think lost at the deadline I know it's maybe early to ask that, you know, I mean, like giving a grade, like who won or who lost because they haven't even played a game yet since then. Um, But do you feel like there are some teams where you can say, I feel pretty good about what they did today. And I I don't know about this. And I guess which side do the Hawks kind of fall into? Um, Brad, we'll we'll start. We'll start with you. I guess maybe the most interesting part to me is like overall just – getting your sense of do you feel like the Hawks are kind of more are you more comfortable with what they did or are you more like I don't know I I don't know I kind of lean to being comfortable with it it's not like they're a big winner though I mean if you're doing a winners and losers list from the deadline the Hawks are not really in either camp yeah because it's like how you grade (laughs) in action it is kind of tough to it's hard to say a grade but like I guess just the vibe more more yeah I mean you mentioned the reaction like I think if you were grading their reaction, the reaction was probably more negative than positive. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to call the Hawks a loser for not doing anything when I don't think there was like a definite move they had to make. I mean, there were other teams that I think were like clear winners. Like Boston's a clear winner to me. Like they got better today. Um, yeah. I liked a lot liked, of teams in the East. Yeah. And that's, that, that, you know, it's a little scary for sure. And I get that maybe if you're looking at it more big picture, you could say that, you know, the Hawks not getting better while other teams got better is maybe the more accurate picture if you want to lean toward the negative. It's just like, all right, the Hawks are still the same team. And now you could argue, if you wanted to, that Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and Boston all got better. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I mean, I'm not saying everybody agrees on that, but if all three, if those three teams plus the reigning champion Bucks are still in your conference and the Bulls are better this year and all that stuff, like it gets, it gets stacked up pretty quickly there. But I think that if I was – my personal evaluation is probably a little bit more positive than negative, to be honest – only because I felt like they didn't have to do anything. And if the deal didn't present itself, they didn't have to pull the trigger on that. So I, I would guess the consensus is more like slight loser, where I am probably slight winner. I say slight winner because of the deal they made before, mm-hmm. not at the deadline. They got a pick. Picks mm-hmm. are good. I don't think the Hawks are at a point where they can kind of be willy-nilly with picks yet, right? Because mm-hmm. who were supposed to be the uh, the building box blocks of this team with Trey? It was supposed to be Cam and it was supposed to be Hunter. Do we know? Uh, Cam's gone. Hunter, still, do we know? I mean, we think so, but probably. So to me, they still need to be getting uh, young talent, younger, cheaper talent, because they're paying all these guys now. you you got to always have an influx of younger talent coming in the bottom. So to me, they won by getting that pick. Uh, as far as other teams, I thought the Bucks did good to get Ibaka. Uh, he's not like Lopez. He's a different kind of player, but he's a quality big, which they needed. Uh, the Kings, I have no idea what they were doing with Halliburton getting rid of him. I mean, they finally hit on a guy and they get rid of him. I just 
it's mind-boggling. I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, the Hawks, to me, slightly positive because they got a pick and they sent out a player who they weren't sure about and who they were going to have to end up deciding whether to pay. And now let the Knicks make that decision, which it looks like they already kind of have. <laughs> I wonder not to not to take away from you, Sarah. I I wonder if the no, deal if the, if the reaction would have been different if they did the cam trade like last week and it felt like more of a deadline deal than <laughs> doing it a month ago. I mean that, that sounds that sounds hilarious, but like you know everybody forgot about the everybody forgot about the pick. I love <laughs> picks. I don't, it's gonna be like a, you know eighteen twenty pick. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I think that's a really good point, though, because I, I do think that and I think also even sending Cam Reddish to the Knicks, I think that since he has continued, I think since it came out that he requested a trade and since he has gone to New York and, you know, unfortunately not gotten much playing time, which is um, kind of what he said he you know wanted to leave for. Um, I think that maybe people view that one kind of more positively like for the Hawks because like it's hard to kind of rally to keep a guy when you know he doesn't want to be there but initially I think that trade was hard for people to stomach too just because everybody was so high on Cam understandably so because he's you know he's just this like long sky high potential defender um but for me when I look at that when I look at the Cam Reddish trade as tough as it is to part with a guy like that I think even though the Hawks wanted depth to be an advantage for them, I think they may have had just like too many guys, like so, so you know, too many guys and not enough minutes to go around. And I think that can that can affect guys too as far as finding a rhythm. But I want to get both of y'all's take on that trade, which did happen. It just happened a month ago, but they did make a move. It was just <laughs> not, did. you know, today. <laughs> I thought it was a good move in that, I thought the whole time they were going to have to do something with Cam. And I think getting a first-round pick, that's a real pick. It's not a top-five pick. It's not this you know super sexy asset. But I think it's a, a real pick that's going to be a first-rounder. I think Travis even said it was like 95% or something. Whatever they figured out it was going to be that it would convey. Um, that was a good value. I know the reaction was not all positive. But I do think that Cam has a bright future potentially. But in the present, he was not helping them. And he didn't want to be here, which which came out after the fact. But they obviously knew that internally. So I think it was a, an appropriate value. I think that um, I can see why people didn't like it at the time because it is a pick, and you know, unless it's going to be the number one, number one pick in the draft, there's always a faction that's like, oh, it's just another pick, and they want to throw it away. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think it just terms of like trade value, however you want to put that. I think it was a good move and doing it early. And Travis even alluded to this in that post game, uh, post post game, uh, post trade <laughs> press conference. He kind of uh-huh. said, we're, do- we're doing this a month early to see if we can spark something. And people kind of rolled their eyes and it kind of helped spark something. And they I won think. seven games, not long, seven games in a row, not long after and, that. And so it's I think not necessarily one to one, but it, I mean, his words worked out in that instance. Like they have been mm-hmm. much better since then. You can argue how much of that is can not being there, but they have played better since then. So I guess moving early and getting value is about as good as you can ask for. Michael, what about you? What do you think of the, the Cam Reddish trade that did in fact occur? Yeah, I liked it for the Hawks. I liked it for the Hawks. Uh, from what I heard, they uh, they had gotten offers for Cam at the last year's draft that were, pro- that were like 15-ish. So you can say they probably lost, they might have lost five spots or so by waiting to see to see on him. 
So you can maybe criticize for them. Maybe they should have took the deal back then if they weren't going to keep him. But I think it was worth keeping him around to see if he could do it. But mm-hmm. if you recall, after last season, Travis came out and said, oh, Cam's going to summer league. Um, he needs more court time. He's been injured. He's very excited about it. We think he's going to go out there and it's going to be great. A couple of weeks later. And then he didn't play. Cam's not going to summer league. He thinks he doesn't need it. To me, in retrospect, that was kind of the beginning of the end, right? Like, they thought, man, we're keeping this guy, but we're going. They were, they were behind him, right? We're going to send you to summer league, where Cam could have really probably went and dominated and got some confidence and got some, you know, conditioning, maybe worked on some of his skills. And I think him not doing that was him saying, you know, you know, he doesn't. I think Travis is kind of cryptic message where he says he doesn't need it, right? It was kind of like <laughs> when that happened, I kind of raised the eyebrow, like, hmm. And it it's turns like, out changed? that, that <laughs> yeah. it, and it turns out that was probably around the time when it, when he told them, you know, I, I want to. I want to go somewhere I get more of a change. You're trying to send me to summer league, right? I'm, I'm too good for summer league. So if you have a guy like that, um, he's not really producing. He's been injured. And you can get a pick out of it. It's a good deal to me. Right. Okay, so to keep talking about all of this, we're going to tag team to kind of answer some listener questions. And real quick, we want to remind you that the reason we can make this podcast free for everyone is your subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's the fuel that powers our journalism. So if you are not a subscriber, please go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And unlimited digital access is just 99 cents for your first month. Again, that's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And to answer or to read some listener questions, we're going to bring in Jay, our wonderful producer, and he's going to have his typical uh, booming <clears throat> radio voice. That he I, I can answer in. questions too, you know, uh, but, but here I will just deliver them. Uh, short mailbag uh, segment mm. here for the trade deadline. We will start with uh, Garland Riley Jr. How can the perimeter defense improve with the cast currently available? So I think this is this is a good question. I think it's a lot of one. Uh, I think it's one that a lot of people are asking, particularly since they did trade away Cam, who maybe ha- hadn't been playing. Uh, up to his potential defensively, but was nonetheless a long, you know, defensive-minded player. Um, Brad, wait, you you take this one. This is so nice. I have other people. I can just throw Pass all my off. questions to you. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it, is a, it is a real question. The perimeter defense is a question. I think ha- just having DeAndre Hunter is the best thing they can have. So as long as he's available, that is a big thing for the perimeter defense. Um, I think Bogey getting a little bit healthier is going to help a little uh, a little bit as well. He's not this great defender, but he, I think, early in the year was struggling pretty uh, visibly defensively. And the thing they could do, like, rotationally is play DeLon Wright more because he's their second-best perimeter defender. If they really wanted to stir like that up. I we defend DeLon Wright a lot, Brad. I am, yeah. I feel yeah, like I'm you known and I as defend a, DeLon Wright a lot. <laughs> I am known as a very pro-DeLon Wright person, which is okay. I, I probably am. But in terms of, like, if, if the objective is to play perimeter defense – He's the second best guy on the roster behind DeAndre. So if they wanted to have just that be better, playing him with Trey, helping that all out, that's that's a way to do it. It's always going to be a little bit of a weakness with this current roster after not making a deal. But I think he uh, more more Delon is always good. I'm very I'm very pro Delon. Okay, Jay, next one. Oh, they got a lot of questions about buyouts. So we'll let uh, James take this one. Any guards on the buyout market worth bringing? Maybe Dennis Schroeder. He's uh. Might, might be available Schroeder from is, Houston. Yeah. Old friend Dennis Schroeder. Old, old pal Dennis Schroeder could be available. Not, that's not official, but there's rumors of that. I was about to say, well, that's why, because I know, that, but I wasn't sure if that one was That one's not official, but yet. because he yeah. got traded to Houston, everybody was like, why is Houston trading for Dennis Schroeder? Maybe they'll buy him out. Right. I'm kind of kidding, because, right. of course, he used to be here, but interesting. Right, right. 
So look look out for old friend Dennis Schroeder, everybody. <laughs> Next is uh, from ATL Sports Victim, which he probably ought to change his handle or, or she. Uh, I don't. I, we, ATL Sports. Well, we can't be victims victim. anymore. We got a couple of championships. Yeah, but Darn. anyway, the question yeah, is. Well, this is first part of the statement. I don't think the Hawks were going to find a difference maker, so no need to rush this team's development arc. Hawks should reevaluate during the offseason and make any necessary moves then once everybody is eligible to be moved. That being said, who should be some of the Hawks' top targets during the offseason, and who do you think is on the block as a piece of any potential trade? Um, so I, Yeah, this is – first of all, I love that that uh, his statement to lead into that question made a lot of sense. So that was a – a very good point made by ATL sports victim. Um, I think I'll, I'll address kind of the, that last question, which is who do you think is on the block as a piece of any potential trade? Um, well, okay. Well, he's saying during the off season, I don't know. I, I feel like during this trade deadline, I think that probably a lot of packages or a lot of, a lot of trades the Hawks maybe would have done probably would have had to be including bogey just with the names that were out there. Um, that would make sense for a lot of those teams to get a guy like him in a return as far as trades that were actually, you know, maybe actually going to be realistic. Um, but when it comes to some of the Hawks' top targets during the offseason, Michael, what do you think? Or, or who should be potential, potentially kind of on the trading block in the offseason, so not during the season? Because there's some guys who obviously can't be traded during the season. Or anything can happen during the season. Well, I think Gallo's pretty obvious, obvious guy mm. because uh... – only I think five million of his contract is guaranteed last year, so you could definitely uh, move him for somebody who's looking to shed some salary, uh, and that probably probably would be time to move on from him. I mean, he's he's a uh, very been a very good bench player for him. I like him because he can uh, he can shoot over anybody. Uh, you know, he can kind of get that shot. He doesn't need any much space at all to get off, but he obviously has some deficiency defensively where he's. He's he's a tough defender. It's just you know he's slow footed, so that's that's hurt him a lot in some of the lineups that they use um, and some of the matchups that he has. So I think he would be a guy who uh, obviously would be a, a target to get rid of. I don't know if you could get a good player. You might just have to get a, a pick or whoever's trying to get off the that contract. But he would be an obvious guy. Uh, as far as needs, this is going to be a, a strange uh, free agency this year because there's so many guys who have player options. I think. Um, Trying to think. Uh, I think Bill has one. I think Kyrie has one. <laughs> if you want to go down that road. Oh, I think. Um, does Russ have one? I think. I think Russ I has think he'll one be too. exercising his player option. Uh, yeah, I, think I think he will now. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. He's not happy there in LA. So you got some big name guys who are older, uh, obviously great track records. But it'd be a very big risk, obviously, to sign them long term. So uh, I don't know if the Hawks are at that point now, Roy, where you kind of go all out. Um, you still got Bogey on a pretty good deal. Uh, you obviously mm-hmm. got Trey and John locked up. You got pretty much everybody locked up that you want. Um, so I don't know mm-hmm. if they're at the point where they want to make a big deal like that. So I don't think that one any might of those be hard guys. to that one might be hard to answer before we know like how they finish the season, you know, because if too. they finish <laughs> the season amazing, then, it, you know, they would obviously be, be less willing, you know, like buy and spend that money. Probably um, Brad, real quick, who do you think should be some of the Hawks top targets during the offseason? And who do you think could be on the block as a piece of any potential trade? Yeah, the targets thing is so hard, like you said, like without knowing what they're going to do and who's available at this stage and something that we have to keep 
I know you do this too, Sarah and Michael, but like the Hawks are no longer a salary cap team. Like they're going to be operating well over the salary cap. No longer are the days of free agency for this team. They're going to have to do a lot of trades and uh, maybe a sign trade or something like that, but they don't have just space to sign guys. That's why they need the picks. Uh, That's why they need the picks. That's why they need exactly for trades and things like that. So the way the Hawks get someone. This is why I brought you guys on. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the way the points by all. The way they get somebody big or even kind of big is 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 a trade now. Like they're not going to have space to do that. So I think uh, of interest. You got you you referenced Bogey earlier. He's a pretty interesting one, and so is Gallo. But not that I'm advocating for this, but I think you're going to hear some Clay Capella stuff with the development of the Kongwu. Right, and And he was the one who I was talking about earlier who couldn't be moved. Yeah. He yeah. couldn't be moved, but once he can be, I think you will probably hear something about Capella being, not sure he's going to be traded, but uh, teams will value him. He's, he's still very good, but the Hawks have a, a, a potential budding star behind him. So that's a very obvious uh, discussion point in the future. Okay, guys, this was amazing. And that wraps up our trade deadline panel. Michael, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so fun. Yeah, it was. Thanks Okay, looking ahead, the Hawks will host the Spurs Friday. They'll play in Boston Sunday. Obviously, the Hawks need to win at a pretty high clip if they want a shot at finishing in that top six and avoid the play-in tournament. We'll be back with another episode Monday. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, listen, which you already did a great job of if you made it this deep into the episode. Thank you guys again for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.